Today we're going to be talking about Seems So Long from the album Music of My Mind, released on the 3rd of March 1972. On the track, it is just Stevie Wonder and his Tonto, uh, much like the Lone Ranger. Uh, the track is 4 minutes 22, and joining me to talk about today is Ollie Brady. Hello, Ollie. Uh, how are you, Darren? Uh, I know it said 1972, but uh, if you were to ask me to pick a year when this song came out, I it's you could throw a dart at a dartboard with a bunch of years written on it, because... I defy anybody to sit there and say, this is 1972 when they're listening to that song. Um, and I think, obviously, that is down to the Tonto, uh, which... Um, Jump on it. I, no, sorry. Well, what I like about the acronym for Tonto is the first three words are the original new timbrel orchestra. So the first three words are the original new. Now, I feel like that's a bit reductive and you could probably <laughs> drop one of those and you could probably get rid of the the... And just make it like, you know, New Timbrel Orchestra, and that would work. But I guess it doesn't give you Tonto as an acronym. Um, so it feels like somebody kind of worked hard a little bit, you know, to kind of make it so that they could just call it the Tonto. Yeah. Um, and that was the name of uh, Tonto's expanding headband, uh, which was uh, Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margalef, who, of course, are the producers on this album and the next four albums, um, you know, and... They, you know, if anyone has ever kind of, you know, looked up the Tonto, um, it is gigantic. It <laughs> is, you know, it's literally like, I think, 12 feet across. Um, and it, and they kind of had to take it apart and take it to New York for Stevie to be able to use it because he was recording um, on the opposite side of the country from the rest of Motown at <laughs> this particular point. Darren is, Motown had, Darren is doing it a disservice. He says it's 12 feet yes. across, which it is, right? The best way to describe this is I want you to imagine you're standing inside Thanos's infinity gauntlet and he's trying to close his fist. That is what this thing <laughs> looks like. It's like five giant fingers are trying to close around a small keyboard in the center and there are a million and one cables and wires and like old style switchboard style components and this it is legitimately fascinating to look Darren was like oh you should look up a picture of it Ollie I was like it's going to be a synthesizer Darren it's not going to be that exciting and then I looked up and was like what is this thing it is amazing and now I understand why the song sounds like it could be from any year from 1950 to 2027 that's right this could be a future song people <laughs> yeah uh, I mean, this is the first album that he kind of used it on. And, uh, you know, this is like the I think the, there's at least one more track on this album where he um, he uses this, uh, which is the final, which is the final track of the album, uh, Evil. Um, and again, that's mostly just Stevie and, um, you know, Stevie and the Tonto again. What this feels like to me is Stevie heard a particular sound on the Tonto and then just wrote a song but just based around playing that sound while he sang over the top of it. Yeah. Um, and so you, like you kind of get, I don't know. There's like kind of, I'm well, I, the story, I guess kind of 
is a little hint at something that we'll get on Talking Book, which is a lot of songs about his divorce. And so, so there's a there's a kind of you know at this point I think he'd he'd already um, by the time Music of My Mind came out he'd been divorced from Sirita for like a month, and this feels like probably one of the earliest like divorce songs on this album. Um, you know, over the course of the next like two albums we get a few more of them, and then by the time we get to Fulfilling Us he's kind of abandoned um, doing divorce songs at that point. I think he's fallen in love again, so he's kind of just doing a lot more ballads. Yeah. Um, so he has this lady love and lady cared, but lady went away. And it's like, okay, Stevie, I think we get what's happened. That's, that's <laughs> another know? thing I would, I would say about the song is I don't think the music necessarily matches up with the lyrics. Because when I was, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, what a sweet little tune. This is, ah, like, it, it's, it's from the future or the past. We don't know. Um, and it's lovely. And then he starts singing about... She knows I wouldn't leave her because it would cause her pain and I would never cause her pain. But and you're like, ah, this is not. Yeah, this is not nice what he's singing about. But at the same time, it's like, it's been so long. And you're like, ah, is it sweet? Is it not sweet? You're like, and then I said, it's only when you really see the lyrics down in black and white on a page. and You're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, this is not happy at all. That that synthesizer lied to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this is something that he'll do again with um, You Are the Sunshine of My Life, which uh, when you think of You Are the Sunshine of My Life, you're probably I thinking think it's happy. that's a happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the verses of You Are my, the Sunshine of My Life, um, Stevie Wonder says, um, you know, you were the one who realized I was so lonely. Uh, if you left me, I'd be drowning in my own tears. So it's not a happy song, <laughs> but it's delivered in such a upbeat, happy way that it's like... <laughs> You think it's a happy song and the chorus is very happy. And I think this is like the chorus itself, I don't think is is kind of too bad because it says, you know, like it seems so long since I've heard the sound. It's It's been so long since I trusted in someone. I had to see it for myself, but it's been so long. The world seems cold, but I think it's time in my life to find myself again. So that seems like a fairly kind of upbeat sentiment. Um, but then we have the verses of, you know, Lady Love and Lady State. Mm. And then, you know, she knew I wouldn't leave her, to, uh, to, you know, for her to suffer. I'd never make her suffer. Like, and it's like, okay, Stevie, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's it's kind of very much like one of his, his kind of divorce songs, you know, which, you know, like I say, on Talking Book, you get quite a few of those. Darren. Uh, I think kind of the, the more obvious one is like, maybe your baby. Uh, and he's like, maybe your baby done made some other plans. With his divorce songs, because the last time I was on, when we were talking about his, uh, his nerd white, vi- white guy voice, um, when you were, uh, you were saying that his wife, now estranged wife by the time this is coming, or in the process of being an estranged wife as this was happening, did, they, did she help with the lyrics to this song, do you think? Or is this an, a Stevie on his own? No, this is, this is just Stevie. And she does actually co-write the first song on this album. Yeah. And she co-writes a couple of songs on the next couple of albums as well, <laughs> even after they divorced. And like I say, the next album effectively that Stevie Wonder works on is Cyrita's album. That's released in three months' time after this. So How is Cyrita's album, by the way? I've never, I don't think I've ever heard her singing when she wasn't backing vocals to Stevie. Do you know what I'll say? Uh, having listened to quite a few of the tracks in preparation for, you know, some of the songs, you know, for this project, um, she has a really sweet voice. And mm. it's like, it's an arrange that's a little higher than I was expecting. So it's kind of closer to like a mini Ripperton, but she doesn't kind of go into like the... Well, the, 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 the kind painful of stuff, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, she doesn't kind of go into the high head voice, but she's kind of got like a higher range. Um, and there is a song that she that is basically the first song on um, her album, um, which is uh, I'm trying to remember which which song it is now, which I think is also on this album. Um, so you can li- literally, if you want, you can listen to hit like Stevie Wonder's version of the song, and then you can listen to her version of the song oh, to wow. hear like the main kind of difference. Um, and I'm trying to remember what song it is. Uh, oh, I think it's I Love Every Little Thing About You. Mm. And like, um, so that's on this album. You can listen to Stevie's version and then listen to her version, which is about a minute longer anyway. And you can you can kind of hear the difference in how like she approaches, um, you know, the music. Um, but yeah, no, it's I mean, I think the thing is, you know, none of her albums ever sold a huge amount. <laughs> like she was always kind of, you know, bumping along the bottom of the charts. You know, even with Stevie Wonder kind of, you know, ghost writing a couple of songs and, you know, performing on her albums, like his success never kind of rubbed off onto her. Um, but I think the fact that she kind of co-wrote a few songs here and there kind of set her up financially, yeah. you know, for a number of years. So you know, I, I don't think she really needed to kind of be a success. So she was just able to kind of record whatever she wanted. Um, but she has, a, you know, she has a really nice voice. And it's it's kind of a shame that you know she's kind of stuck in stevie's shadow but also that she wasn't a lot more successful um and that you know kind of she ends up being the subject of kind of a few songs where it seems like stevie's a little bit bitter about them but at the same time like they work together for like the next like 10 15 years yeah so it's it's clear that like uh, you know people who kind of um you know when they were talking like why they got divorced it was because stevie was in the studio all the time and basically never came home now Stevie being in the studio was why they met because she worked at Motown and she was, you know, regularly around the studios while he was there. And that's how they got talking. And so they met because of his kind of, you know, workaholic tendencies. And then as soon as they were together, she wanted him to come home and he would rather stay in the studio and record all night. And that kind of ended up breaking them up. So I think they just kind of realized that they, you know, the relationship just couldn't work. Um, and then, you know, from that point on, they were kind of fairly good friends. Um, he performed at her funeral, you know, so as he's performed at this point at many funerals um, of, you know, most people that he's kind of known have died. So, you know, that seems to be like a, his main kind of gig in the last kind of decade is performing, <laughs> per- performing at other people's funerals. Steve, Steve, well, he wonder, he's now just a funeral session musician. He, he, he hasn't released an album in 14 years, so... You know, like he hasn't released an album this decade. But like, he's not going to release an album in the next few months. So by the time we finish this year, he w- this is the first decade since like the fifties that Stevie Wonder hasn't released an album. Wow, that's so it's crazy. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, but I, I still kind of, I think like it's this. I mean, the sentiment could be read as being quite bitter, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just you know, uh, like particularly in the second verse, he says, you know. Uh, you know, I believe I believe you're just like me and you understand you want me to be your man mm. to always love me. So it's like it's kind of like he's reached an understanding that although, you know, they've loved and they kind of broken up, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a, you know, a terrible divorce. And even in this song, it feels like there's still a little bit of warmth between them. And, you know, the kind of the relationship they had kind of changed his worldview, you know, like the fact that he says, you know, he's going to work on himself and he kind of can trust people now. You know, that was something that, you know, if you think about Stevie Wonder's life, he basically spent from the age of, and I think he was spotted when he was like eight, performing. Yeah. So by the time you get to this point, he spent, you know, mostly two thirds of his life just kind of on stages and in front of audiences. And, you know, like, 
um, you know, I'm sure he formed friendships with kind of people, but at this point, most of them were musicians who were like 20 years older than him. Yeah, well, you were, you were just saying it's it's not bitter. Like when you compare this track, so so I did one on your main Prince um, feed, which was a, a, a post-divorce track with Prince. And it was, uh, this one loves me for me, right? And like, there's clearly some some shade getting thrown there at former Mrs. Prince, right? Uh, whereas this one here ends with, or this song ends with, I believe that I can trust in you, which is the exact, like, it's the exact opposite of what Prince was saying. Prince, Prince's album was like, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I think I've moved on to bigger and better things here because my new lady doesn't treat me the way you treated me. Uh, she loves me. She doesn't love the stuff that's around me, whatever it happens to be. Whereas Stevie still seems to be saying, no, no, I, I believe I can trust you. We, we're, we might not have worked out, but you're still my best friend. You're still, you know, I still love you, just not necessarily romantically anymore. Yeah, and they, you know, they obviously had a close working relationship. You know, he, he like, the, the first album was just called Cyrita, but the second album was called Stevie Wonder Presents mm. Cyrita. Like, he was, he was trying as much as he could to, you know, like kind of promote her and kind of give her a career um you know and then i think she recorded another album that was just called cyrita um, so she was kind of <laughs> she's a rebooted she, video game darren is that what you're telling me yeah well she well she was following in the tradition of peter gabriel who i think had like four solo albums that were all just called peter gabriel um <laughs> i was and, thinking more you know, tomb raider tomb raider cradle of yeah. life tomb raider <laughs> tomb raider yeah um so like it you know, the fact that he does finish by saying that he believes he can trust in them. And, you know, he's also acknowledging, you know, it's time for him to find himself again, which considering that he's like newly emancipated, basically, and he's, you know, he's starting this new contract and he's basically got as much creative freedom as anybody is going to be given, uh, with the exception, of course, of Prince post Warner Brothers, who, again, was given, you know, well, the first album he released after he left Warner Brothers was a triple album that had 36 songs. <laughs> on. So... You know, that's a level of creative freedom that I think very few people ever get. And I think this is the same with Stevie. Like, you know, he's been given enough creative freedom here that he's actually realizing that the person that, you know, who's kind of been with him for the last, you know, two years, as he's been doing these negotiations to get the new contract and all that kind of stuff, you know, she's probably one of the few people that he can actually trust, um, you know, at this point. I think he could also trust Barry Gordy because I don't think Barry Gordy was going to try and screw Stevie Wonder over <laughs> at this point. I think he'd learned his You'd lesson. Hope a not, bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, but it, like, I can understand, like, the sentiment of, you know, this kind of almost fits the the kind of, like, child performer thing of, like, you know, you grow up basically all around adults or around kids who are pretending to do stuff. And, like, are any of those people actually your friend? Um, you know, unless you're, like, you know, the two Corys, who, of course, you know, were lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. And that was a true relation, you know, it's a true friendship. Other than that it's very hard for kind of child performers to, to kind of make friends in a meaningful way. And I think that was something that Stevie's trying to say here. It's like, I, you know, there's one person I loved, one person I could trust. Everybody else, you know, are people in the backing band, basically. And, you know, they'll have a drink with me, but that's, you know, you can't really kind of do anything else with them. Um, and I, that's why, you know, and I also, you know, like we said, we kind of discussed the Tonto, but this song is really just stevie and the tonto <laughs> like that's yeah. the main kind of feature of it um you know whereas on some of the other tracks you've got like 
you know, you've got drums and you've got bongos and you've got, you know, various other things on there, electric guitar, all that kind of stuff. This is just Stevie's voice over the top of the Tonto. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful combination. Yeah. As always, Stevie's voice is like with each album. It's kind of weird because throughout the 70s, his voice actually gets better and better. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because he's starting from such a good place. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think that's one of the things that maybe people kind of underestimate about Stevie Wonder is just how good his voice is. Like it's and the way that he kind of blends it with the Tonto. And also, you know, the fact that, you know, he makes it sound like this song is a bit more upbeat and positive than it actually is. And then when you actually drill down, it's like, oh, this is about a guy who's broken up with somebody who he's been deeply in love with. And, you know, he's going to find himself and can only really trust her. And I think that's like that's something as well that Stevie kind of always is able because of the sweetness of his voice. It's kind of it's kind of easy for people to not think that Stevie Wonder is kind of ever saying anything like biting or bitter or angry. But, you know, in this, there's just a tiny tinge of bitterness, you know, but it's mostly because, you know, the relationship has has kind of gone. Although it's worth saying, like the first verse is, you know, lady love and lady cared but lady went away but then the second verse is lady loved and lady stayed so, and then he says until she she was too pleased so, <laughs> so but still the fact that she loved him and stayed is kind of different from you know he so there's a there's you know there's a, a maybe a tiny bit of hope in there um and i don't know for me i would say probably four and a half out of five you know i think only that because the next few albums are so perfect. It's kind of, you still got, got to leave a little bit of space to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I still really, really like it. And I love the sound of the Tonto. This is the thing. Some of my favorite tracks off the next few albums are just the ones where he really goes to town on the yeah. Tonto. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more critical than you. Uh, pro- actually, probably quite a lot more critical than you. I'm going to give it a three. And it's only because I also know that I'm coming back to talk about better songs and I want to give myself more wiggle room, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's a really solid song. I, the the tonto it it's a wonderful sound it's a brilliant sound but it also all right now i'm gonna sound like one of those pretentious douche monkeys is like oh it leaves me cold when i hear it it's it doesn't seem to have the same tone as a real instrument it's you know it feels fake darn right but it doesn't it doesn't catch me the way i i right I find it so hard to talk about this sort of stuff. It's like, I when I'm listening to this song and it's really sweet lyrics, but they're also very devastating lyrics. But the music is then drawing me out of it. The actual tones coming from it, and to me that that takes away from the song. But at the same time, as the same as I said in the last thing, I guarantee you that somebody who knows way more about music listening to this goes, man. He is nailing everything when he hits. Every time he hits a key, I can feel his anger when he he does it. I'm not going. Uh, I can feel Buck Rogers um, coming in to tell me bd bd bd. Like it's it's brilliant and it's lovely, but not necessarily for me. I think in like by the time you get to songs in the key of life, he had started using um, actual strings and he'd started using actual horns instead of synthesizers. So I you know he kind of. He, he he kind of falls in love with the Tonto for a few years, and then by the time he gets to Songs in the Key of Life, he really starts to use other musicians. Yeah, um, and and I think that kind of helps mo- at least kind of evolve his sound a little bit. Um, you know, but you know, I still really like it. And the thing the thing is, like the one thing that Tonto did better than anything else was it kind of did this string sound. Yeah, and that was something that other synthesizers at the time just couldn't quite do. And so you know, that was that was the main sound that he was looking for. Um, of course, then he realized that he could hire like, you know, <laughs> uh, talented musicians. a quartet 
<laughs> yeah, he could hire a quartet and they would probably do the same thing for him. So, um, well, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Ollie? Yeah, I don't really uh, podcast anywhere near as much as I used to, so you can listen to my back catalogue. I love saying that. You can listen to my back catalogue, uh, a podcast called Best Acquaintances. This is where I met Darren. It's a lot of fun, where I just, myself and uh, my partner Emily, we just interview people from the internet it's like hey we know you from the internet let's pretend that we're interviewers and we're going to have a nice friendly conversation and darren was on he was telling me all about how he's gone to 700 movies a year and i'm sitting seething with jealousy because i might get to go once a month um and then the other podcast that i used to do is called media evil a medieval pop culture podcast where my friend sarah um sarah F. decker she's a doctor uh, of uh, medieval studies and she rips apart movies and books and TV shows that are set in the medieval period, in the medieval period, and she's very, very good at doing that. So if you want to hear, uh, for example, 1993's Three Musketeers get thrown under, one of my favorite movies of all time, by the way, get ripped apart by somebody who's like, yeah, but the crosses are wrong. You want to go listen to that episode. And you can find us for this project on Twitter at Stevie by Wonder. Uh, thanks once more for being my guest here today, Ollie. Oh, absolute pleasure, Dan. Thank you. And otherwise, it did not seem so good.